If you're looking for the next big thing that's going to blow up so that you can skip over the simple path of investing money and growing it over time, then you're trying to skip the small beginning. You're, you're the guy sitting there hoping you're just going to get a phone call. And that's not the way that the scripture teaches that we handle money. Hello. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Happy podcasting. I'm interested in what you think of what's happening over on the volley world. You had high hopes that everyone doing a volley app would do something for us. What? How do you feel? I feel strong to very strong about what's going on in the volley world right now. Yeah, I had an innovation this morning. I don't know if you saw it, but I heard a couple of people speaking on the same theme on volley. You know what I did? I started a it was my very first volley conversation. I started a new conversation. I looped your wife in. I'm asking everybody that's in this little category a question. We're getting information from them, and we're we're cooking up a an episode just from, yeah. just from the volley combos. I was delighted that a lot of the people when they got on volley and introduced themselves, they one of the things they would share about themselves was the time, their five minutes of fame on the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Like, yeah, that I, was fun. I was mentioned in this episode <laughs> and it was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my whole life. They didn't say that, but <laughs> we have a yeah, lot of FedEx nice. drivers. That that was a revelation. Oh yeah, FedEx. Yeah, that's a common... Which makes, makes sense. They're driving. They, uh-huh. uh, They're listening. They, they've got time. To, to listen. So if you're driving the FedEx right now, working that FedEx line, <laughs> we salute you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so that, that was delightful. I, I'm going to make a proposal here in real time that we just keep that volley link in the show notes of all our podcasts so that if somebody maybe oh. is joining for the first time, they can jump into Volley and just join the conversations that are happening. Okay, so be it. It has been decided. I just had a turkey sandwich in other news. And I'll uh-huh. tell you, I was downtown the other day and I saw a, a man at a taco cart and he was taking the tortillas and he would put mozzarella cheese on them, which I know mozzarella cheese is not what you think of. No, it doesn't go on a taco. However, then he would flip the tortilla over, cheese side down onto the griddle, and he would form a nice cheese crust of good, like crispy sort of griddled cheese. And then he would flip it back over and fill that taco, that the tortilla, which was now half cheese, half tortilla with the taco equipment. And it was delicious. Okay. And I've taken this trick and implemented it anytime I'm making something that calls for any sort of cheese. So, okay. Tacos, breakfast tacos, turkey sandwich today. It went, oh, I see. 
it went bread and then cheese side down on the griddle for a few seconds. And the, and I just wanted to share that with our people because... Okay, I'd like to address this. Because okay. you're talking to somebody with knowledge in this arena. One that's not mozzarella cheese that he's using. If it came from a taco truck or there's anything Mexican about it, it is white cheese. I'll give you that. It's not mozzarella if it came from no. a Mexican taco truck. It is mozzarella because I had a long conversation with the guy about okay, his technique. Okay. okay. In Espanol. Okay, tell me this. What kind of meat went on there? Um, I ordered two tacos. One was a carne asada and uh-huh. one was, what else did I get? I think I just got a carnitas. Okay. There is a taco. You know how, I don't know, 15 years ago, we didn't know what, we didn't know what carne asada was or we didn't know what tacos El Pastor was. It kind of came along at some point. Uh, yep. Well, there's a taco that's coming along now. It's even here in Cincinnati at Jorge's Tacos, right around the corner from me. And it's Bidia, B-I-R-R-I-A, Bidia Taco. It's a staple here. Okay, this was the first time that I I had ever seen this cheese trick. And he said that that technique was unique to the Bidia Taco. So I wondered if you're getting a bastardized, which there's no rules with the Mexican food. Certainly with Tex-Mex, you're allowed to borrow, beg, borrow, and steal any technique for any food you want, which is why he's bastardized uh, your taco with the mozzarella cheese, which is nowhere in Tex-Mex, but I'm sure it's delicious. Maybe he was a hybrid fellow. He was like Luigi Sanchez. (laughs) Maybe Luigi Sanchez. Yes, well... Only because you mentioned that very thing, I just have to throw out to the people that I was in Austin last week. We're going to, and actually we're going to hear an interview from that trip next week. It's going to be part two of this series. But um, if I'm in Austin, I'm most interested in tacos. That's actually number one in Austin for me. And barbecue falls number two in Austin for me because mm. because uh, you can get barbecue of an equal quality throughout Texas, most of Texas. You, but I really believe that Austin is the taco capital of the world with what with the innovations happening today. That's one man's opinion. And um, I, I, I was sent by you to Valencia, all natural tacos. Is that right? Veracruz. Um, Veracruz, all natural. Veracruz. I was confusing that with Valentina's um, Tex-Mex barbecue tacos, which is also uh, worth going out of your way for. But Veracruz, all natural. Holy smokes, that was some great stuff. Can you put? If you, can photos be put into our show notes? No, I. Th- okay. Someday when we when we get enough people paying on the, on the Patreon, which we have never created. Yeah. Right. Then maybe we'll have a, a film studio and you know, this will all be something we can say, Hey, producer, pull up the, the photo. But today I'm not you, against a Patreon account for that very reason that we could hire, we could hire a social media, 21 year old who can snap their fingers and make all this stuff happen. And then, and then we could show the people I did take photos of these delicious tacos. Uh, 
Could, could um, I just pause really quick and say, yeah. before we started recording, we were talking about social medias and we don't talk about social medias a lot because we don't love doing social media <laughs> yes. on, on our personal behalf. You and I have been known to throw Accurate. out a tweet here and there. Yeah. And I, I know that today Throw Twitter, Twitter is very popular with the 37 to 50 yes, year old crowd. Not it's, the youngsters. Right. But if, if you guys are listening and you want to, to be a part of the Abraham's wallet, social media universe. Yeah. You could tell us that by following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And if we see, Oh, there's 50 new people following us. Cause I know how many people listen to the podcast and I know how many people follow us on the socials, none. <laughs> uh, and so there's a big, there's a big gap there. So if any of you want to see some things from us socially, <laughs> that's ex- funny. Express your, a little bit backwards. What we're saying is if you want us to post something, follow us. That's what you're saying. Well, we're going to be, one of our goals for 2022 is to figure out how to make that worth your while, but it would help us know where you like to to receive your social media if you expressed your vote by following us on that platform. I thought you were going to say the following, which I will now say as a separate statement. Let's say you are a 21-year-old whiz-bang techno nerd genius, and you go, gosh, I love those Abe's Wallet guys, but I don't know why they don't exist on social because it's not hard to do. Boy, I sure would love to help them do that and make their social media stuff work for them. Um, we're right here. You could just raise your hand and say, guys, how can I help? And we could come up with a way for you to help because we don't have, uh, we don't have time and interest in making all those socials happen, but we'd love for them to happen. I certainly have content. It's just making it all happen. That's a pain in the. Yeah. You could reach out to us on Volley or you could just email yeah. us, Mark. Yeah at abrahamswallet.com. True enough. All right. Did you have anything else to relate on the taco front? No. Okay. Let's talk about today's topic. Okay. Well, surely uh, you're going to share this verse. There's a famous verse from Zechariah 4 um, that our people have to hear. But I'll say this about that verse because I'm, I'm, I have misgivings about yanking a verse out of context, making it a theme, and then talking about it in a way that was never intended. You might have heard this negative example of using verses out of context. You know, somebody's flipping through their Bible, I just want a quick word from God. Matthew 27, 5, Judas went away and hanged himself. What, What else does the Lord have to say to me? Luke 10, 37, go ye and do likewise. Oh, I just got something from the Bible. No, you didn't get anything from the Bible. You got two verses out of context and you're trying to marry them together and you shouldn't do that. So I'll just say this stretch of the Bible, which which we're about to yank a, a huge phrase out of, is a conversation between an angel and Zechariah. I wish we had more backstory on the prophets. Like, did they have lifetimes of prayer and devotion before they ever got this word from God. I would love to know the backstory. How do you get this incredible revelation that these guys got? But here's Zechariah having a conversation with an angel. And the angel's trying to explain um, heavenly truths to, De- to Zechariah so that he will understand things in a proper frame. And so he's revealing him, this is the way I want you to think, Zechariah. And he says this in Zechariah 4, 6. 
It's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gives some details that are only uh, useful to this specific story, but not not a not a uh, applicable truth. And a few verses later, um, verse ten, he's going to give him another another con- a kingdom concept to wrap his mind around. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, and to see the plumb line in. They're talking about a guy named Zerubbabel to see the plumb line in his hand. So we we see it is not by force or by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how things get accomplished. And don't despise these small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And even to see the plumb line in in someone's hand. So the, 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 the value that we can take out of this story is, it's not about great force, but about the plumb line being in someone's hand. That is the standard. There's a standard that somebody gets a hold of. And when they start moving, there's a command that we are not to dismiss that because the Lord rejoices in it. He rejoices that there's a plumb line and that someone is starting. One more verse, and then I'll turn it over to you. Jesus said in can, Matthew, yeah. Can I can I just interrupt you before you have. we leave, Zechariah? Yeah. Yep. I agree with your admonition that we have to kind of dig into these things and not just say, "Oh, that sounds like a good verse. Let's put it on a banner and yeah. sell sell it at the Hobby Lobby." Yeah. But so I spent some time with Matthew Henry's commentary. Do you ever read that? Yes, it's fantastic, and he had some interesting notes on Zechariah 4.10. He said the Jews actually despised the foundation of the second temple because they thought it was likely to be so far inferior to the first temple. We see that in Ezra 3.12. So they were starting into the rebuilding of the temple and there was a lot of people going, this is, you're never going to get anything close to the glory of the last one. What are you even doing? So there was kind of a poo-pooing of the project. Mm. And their enemies also despised the small beginnings because they hated the wall when it was in the building. We read about that in the whole book of Nehemiah, specifically Nehemiah 2.19 says that the enemies of the Jews were opposing this this beginning from from the beginning. So I, I think that, you know, this this picture is actually really important to say. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. So it's actually kind of a a negative way of saying it. It's saying a lot of you have despised the day of small things, but you're about to rejoice because you're going to see, oh, this is actually worth worth a doing um, because the the king has got the plumb line in his hand. So kind of an interesting little verse. I I wanted to color it in a little more. Yeah, the, I, I'm all for it. The more that we can understand the kingdom principle, the better. And, you know, one little verse gives you a window into a, a heavenly um, truth. Um, then we want to understand it the best we can. I want to make a couple proposals and you can react to whether you think that, that I'm right on or off base here. 
first, I think there's a difference. We're going to be talking about small beginnings and, and the little things today. I think there's a difference between a small thing and a small beginning. Uh, a small beginning might just be the beginning of a small thing, or it might be the beginning of a huge thing. But these two things kind of mix in what we're going to talk about. So the principle is almost everything that's important is going to begin small. You're probably not going to get a call letting you know that the Republicans have heard about you and would like you to run for president in 2024. Huge, gigantic, life-changing things generally don't drop out of the sky and just say, wow, there's a new opportunity for me and it's huge. And I, I just got to step up to the plate. That doesn't usually happen. Usually the way that life works is that whether it's a business or a family or uh, major sort of leaps in your own spiritual growth, these things start as very small things. And so what I wanted to True. do today is talk about small beginnings and small things. Cause I think that there's a principle and, you know, we have harped on it for a long time. Um, Matthew 13, 31 and 32, Jesus is telling a parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Start out with small things. And if we are faithful stewards of them, they become bigger things. Um, yep. I'm thinking back to your conversation a couple weeks ago with Mark Douglas. You talked about picking up trash. Now, when the Lord told you, Stephen, to pick up trash, was that the beginning of a huge life-altering calling towards environmental stewardship in your life? That he was going to eventually make you <laughs> the, the cleaner of the trash, <laughs> first of Broadview Avenue, then of Cincinnati, and finally of the United States? No, it was not. Okay. So, this is where I think small things and small beginnings converge. I would argue that that was a small thing that the Lord was handing you. And he was looking for faithfulness in a small thing, which is exactly what you said in that episode. Um, it wasn't a small beginning in and of itself. Uh, but there are, it, it's hard to know sometimes whether something is one or the other, because they all start out as small things and faithfulness can either lead to, wow, I'm, the Lord gave me a hundred dollars and I decided to, to faithfully invest it. And then that led to the next step. And now look what I've got. I've got my own landscaping company. Um, those types of things happen, but there's also these small things where it's just God saying, can I trust you to put your fork down now if I tell you to? And there, I think we're just looking to be obedient so that we say, Hey, we're, we are ready to be entrusted with a bigger command from you. That's excellent. I love it. I'm just going to let you roll. Well, let me read a couple more pieces of scripture and then we can talk sort of how this looks in, has looked in my life at least. Luke 16.10 says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little 
is also dishonest in much. So if I want to rephrase this in my rubric, I would say he who handles small things well will be given things that are not small to handle. Um, Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So this proverb kind of reminds me that our primary responsibility is to work as unto the Lord. That's Colossians 3.23. And you don't always have to figure out if what you're dealing with is a small thing or a small beginning. So I don't think that you need to weigh an opportunity and say, now, is this one of those beginnings that this is going to lead to something huge and I should be extra diligent in it? Well, we're commanded to just work on everything, whether it's picking up the piece of trash or starting a new business or asking a girl to marry you and starting a family. Um, We're committed to work on all of that excellently as unto the Lord. So I think that's, that's important. Um, The last the last scripture reference I want to put in our brains to, to talk about this stuff is Matthew 25, 21, um, which is the, the parable of the servants. The verse 21 says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And this is just a repeated, uh, a repeated story that Jesus tells in his parables as people being tested you know, we talk about it on this podcast. They get tested with money and they are expected to multiply it. Um, and when they do, they're put in charge of things that matter, like cities or people's souls. So, yes, in my mind, I keep walking through the Dominion conversation um, and how that that growing to the next step process is that's the Lord's plan. Yes, So what I did is I kind of just sat down and said, what are some of the, the small beginnings that I can kind of think of in my life? And in terms of this obedience question, I went back and looked in my journal and I don't know, six months ago, I wrote, I need to be asking God for more things to obey, starting really small and relatively low consequence. That's really interesting. So if my 11-year-old came to me and said, Dad, I've become a lot more conscientious lately, I would say, yes, that's true. I've noticed this. And if she said, and I have been watching what you're doing and trying to kind of behave in the family line, I'd say, great, that's what I want. And if she said, so I'd like you to hand me the keys to the truck and I'm going to to drive to um, the grocery store and buy some groceries for you, I'd say, no. Because you have not yet earned the the right to drive my car. You're 11. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that instead asking for, instead of like asking for, hey, I'm ready to take the reins and steer the, the family in a totally new direction. I'm way more interested lately in just things that I can respond to. Should I eat this? Where do I need to be physically right now? Um, like for me, if I just sit here in this office, sometimes I don't get anything done. So I feel like sometimes the Lord has said, go to a coffee shop, do your work Mm. there. Um, and so that, that's kind of my, my take on asking for small things to be obedient in. I, I remember 
a mentor who was teaching me about fasting back in college told me, I, I said, I'm ready. Like I I'm ready for whatever. I, if it's a 20 day fast, I'll do a 20 day fast. He said, you're not mature enough, Mark, to do a full day, but I think you could start with skipping a meal and seeing how that goes. Wow. Um, and I wasn't some Yahoo who had just new convert kid. I, I had been fasting. I had done long fasts in the past. And this guy said, if you do a 20 day fast, you will, you'll glorify yourself in it and you will not seek the Lord. Um, so anyways, small, small beginnings, skip a lunch and just try to focus on the Lord. Okay. I, I'll do that. A- any thoughts on obeying? small commands from the Lord, Stephen? I think this is great stuff um, because our tendency in all things is to go to big, huge, difficult, monumental moments. And we think that way with money. We think that way with relationships. You know, um, we think that with spiritual stuff. So learning how to be faithful in a small thing and learning how to throw our arms around tiny moments is huge. It's really huge. And so I, I, I think that's really wise. I hadn't thought of that as, a, as an instruction for people, but to ask God, would you give me tiny jobs? Give me tiny things to do and I will obey them. It's excellent. Cool. So, then I just thought, what are the things that have become big things uh, that started with very small beginnings, if you will? Uh, we've talked about it before, but the first thing that jumped in my mind was our Sabbath practice. I think very wisely, I got the counsel, don't try to start your Sabbath practice as a family by creating a massive ritual and cooking for three hours and making it a huge to do. Um, Just get a pizza and light a candle and do one thing, like just one thing. And that was really good for us. So that's what we did. And then a couple of weeks later we said, okay, let's try adding something to this. What if we, what if we blessed the kids? So, that was a small beginning in our family and it has led to something that I think our kids will be doing when they're grandparents. Yes. Um, so small beginning, lasting, lasting change. Um, this, this very podcast that you're listening to right now, I would say was a small beginning. It was not something that we grand master planned out that, Okay, our path here is we're going to start a, start a blog. No. And then we're going to start podcasting, and then we're going to start meeting with people one-on-one, and then we're going to open a registered investment advisory firm, and then we're going to start running multi-generational retreats for families and all the good stuff that we get to do. Yeah. Um, you know, it was really a, hey, we feel like there's some wisdom here from the Lord. What if we wrote it down and 10 of our buddies got to uh, read it on the internet. Yep. And I think we were faithful to, to that. 
And then it was a next step. Oh, wow. More people than we thought are reading it. What if we did this? What if we wrote something regularly and put it up on that blog? Right. And so on. So there was a point in time where it was like, oh, wow, there's enough people listening to this. And I think that our voice is unique enough. What if we did this one-on-one with families? And that's what what I do full-time and and you too. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Did we ever announce that on the podcast? That you're full-time engaged with Outpost Advisors these days? I don't think so. We should. (laughs) So that people can rejoice with us. So that people can hire us. Goodness. Um, Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think... If you uh, if you are like most people that hear the Abraham's Wallet podcast and think, man, I would just like more of that Stephen guy and less, mm-hmm. maybe less of the boring stuff, then yeah. you could get that. You could you could give us a call over at Outpost Advisors, and we would we would be willing to sell you more of Stephen. Yeah, we do full scale, you know, financial planning and investment and all that stuff. We also, we, we believe, you've heard us say this before, but we believe that if a family doesn't know who they are, that um, what they do with their money is, uh, is a little random. And so we do, I work with families to help um, crystallize and tinker with and put a wrench to a family vision so that it's specific to the family and it captures who God made you to be. And so um, I do. I do that personally with folks, and we do that with our clients. If you're kind of a full scale client, that's part of the service. But some people just want that a la carte. Will you just help us with that? And then there's also people who say, um, I, "I don't want any of that stuff. Is there something I can do on my own?" And that's when our that's where our uh, family vision uh, course comes in, which is I kind of want the, the content, but but not the FaceTime. So if, if any of those is you, we do all that. But um, the fact is that with every family, I know that there is something that God is birthing in your family that um, requires a little bit of attention right now. And not, not your whole life to pivot, but a little bit of your attention. And uh, those first steps are really precious and you shouldn't neglect them. You should do whatever the whatever the move is that God's calling you to, and it might just be that first simple Shabbat pizza night with a candle. Um, whatever it is, there's something. There's a there is a growing edge to your family that has to do with where God is taking you, and you you gotta you gotta move on it. So, if anybody's wondering why Stevens involved in Outpost Advisors, there you go, because mm. he's excellent at helping people think through this stuff. And let's be clear, it's not that they don't want FaceTime with you, Stephen. It's that they can't afford your exorbitant rates. And so they buy the off-the-shelf package. I feel like you made this joke before. I feel like I'm having deja vu right now. Is there? Do you have that written down somewhere? No, I didn't know I'd ever said it before, no, actually. Okay. I was right. nervous to say it because I think your rates are reasonable and fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple other things that came to my mind were my marriage. I did not ask my wife out on our first date thinking, well, this is definitely the start of a family that will, this is the lady I'm going to sure. be sitting around with grandchildren with. Uh, did you? Um, the first time I met my wife, 
No, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was in for. No. Yeah. And so it was a series of just, okay, I'll take the next step. I think this is, this is uh, both the Lord's direction and I really like this girl. So yeah. A small one that came to my mind was just the, the habit of reading. If you listened to now I can get to say Jeff Davenport's name for real. If you've listened to the podcast that we did on books, we read, I did not read books five years ago ever. And um, just to say, I mean, I think I was a reader in high school. I really enjoyed reading. And then I stopped for a long time and only read what was assigned. But um, the habit of starting to read and it wasn't like, again, it wasn't, I'm going to read two novels a week. It was, I bet I could read for 10 minutes every night before I fell asleep. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the end of the year, I was like, oh my gosh, I read 13 books this year. Right. Um, and so that was just something that it's been really beneficial in my life and it did not start off as some massive goal. So those are a few places where small beginnings have resulted for me in a family with a wife I love and three wonderful children. Yeah. A business and a job that right. I never would have expected. I did not expect to be doing this uh, yeah. with all my time. Um, some practices that actually brought alignment with the commands of scripture and the the blessings of Sabbath to our family. And a chance to read some really good, you know, adventure novels once in a while, among other yeah. things. Yeah. Okay, guys, thanks for all the the gabbing, but what does this have to do with me? I I tune in for money advice. We're going to get there. Before we go there, I just want to give you a quick uh, primer on the pitfalls of this way of thinking of just small things, small beginnings. So for me, I'm a starter. It's easy to start things and get (laughs) fired up about them and how they're a small beginning of something big and then... I lose interest and I, oh, that kind of fizzled out. Um, And I think that's one of the pitfalls here is if you're always jumping from thing to thing, thinking this is the small beginning of something huge. I'm so excited. But you, you see a track record where you look back and you go, you know, Mark mentioned some small beginnings and they, then how they kind of bled into these big changes. Well, that should be the case for some, not all, of the small beginnings that you engage in in your life. Um, it's it's possible to only start things that remain small. So I don't want to throw cold water on anyone's kind of plan, but your side hustle flipping lawnmowers on Craigslist is <laughs> not, it's not likely to become a publicly traded company. <laughs> so I don't True. want you, to, I don't want you to despise a small thing. But I also don't want you to self-deceive that your small thing is this is the this is the big shot for our family. You know, my wife started sort of doing these calligraphy signs, yeah. and we made four hundred dollars last year on Etsy. I, that's right. great. If that, that I'm all for side hustles. We've talked about that before. But it's important to really ask yourself, is this, is this something I'm supposed to be faithful in in a small thing? Or is there any chance I might be self-deceptive when I think about what this actually could lead to? Um, and for me, it's a helpful exercise to really say, is this a small beginning 
or is this a small thing? Uh, using kind of those two definitions I talked about. So a small right. beginning, a small beginning could be the temple project, you know, to go back to Zechariah. This is going to be a huge, glorious, all-encompassing effort. Uh, a small thing could sh- be just show me that you're going to be willing to pick up that piece of trash. And, um, you know, I don't think either one should be despised, but it doesn't, you know, it's helpful for me to kind of ask, am I supposed to be faithful in this one little thing? Or is this maybe something that I should be really thoughtful? This could lead to who knows what. So be okay with small beginnings and small things. That's my admonition. And the last kind of, how do you know which is which? I think you don't always know uh, at the front end. Like I said, if I go back to my list, I would just encourage you guys write down some of the stuff that you felt compelled to do. Um, And you can work backwards. I will confess that I worked backwards on some of these. I said, well, how did I end up with this new career? How did I end up with this woman that I have a bunch of kids with? Um, But I think that, like I said, I didn't know when I wrote the first Abraham's wallet blog, what the heck we were launching into at all. So I don't think you always know. Yeah. Okay. Um, Luke 12, 48 says to, this is the verse you've heard a billion times to, to whom much was given from him, much will be required. Um, this is the last pitfall I want to mention. I see some guys, particularly if they enter life in the kind of all set financially category, get stuck in small things. And they, they say things like, you know, I'm totally happy just managing this one rental house and I don't need more than that. I'm just being faithful in a small thing. And I think, yeah, Jack Wagon, like that's because you have a trust fund that pays your <laughs> bills. <laughs> yep. You're supposed to be multiplying the things that you've been put over. Hello. So, there this you just hit on you just hit on a future episode there which is some, somebody needs to speak to the wealthy about the goal wasn't to be plush and have your heels kicked up. The goal is to work hard and multiply. Yeah. Amen. We do a little thing with new clients where we ask them these questions about what they would do if financial limitations were, were removed. And I always have to clarify that we're not talking about you becoming a billionaire. And I do that because I don't know if all of our clients think this way, but I think, man, if you had a billion dollars, the weight of just faithfully stewarding that would be so huge. We're not doing fun stuff very often. Yeah, we're trying right. to we're trying to be faithful with a massive amount of money. So, in the same way, um, I don't think this is relevant, honestly, to most people listening to this. They're like, "Yeah, thanks, Mark, for telling me that I need to not just be be fine with my trust fund." But but I do think it's out there that um, there's different levels of kind of requirement for somebody who has a bunch of fill in the blank. It doesn't have to be financial wealth. It could be all sorts of capitals that they're rich in. And there's some who they go, I don't have any in this category. So I'm going to have to start really, really small. You know, I have no relational capital. I, I have struggled here. And I'm going to invest time and effort to develop friendships. Um, 
There's other people who go, I am, when I walk into a room, everybody flocks to me and I know what's going on in people's hearts. And well, guess what? You probably have some different requirements for how you uh, spend that capital than the guy who's just trying to figure out how to have a normal human conversation with another man. So anyways, that's my, that's my little rant. Um, Don't, don't use what we're saying here about small things as an excuse to steward poorly. Excellent. So let's talk about the financial implications of small beginnings, Stephen. Okay, let's do it. I think that's probably at the top of what people are interested in when they saw the topic. Um, And here we are 40 minutes in or whatever it is. We are going to address starting small with finances. Here we go. (laughs) I think that despising small beginnings, the if I had to just sum it all up, it looks like ignoring the truths that we have tried to teach since the onset of the Abraham Zolot podcast, which is Proverbs 13, 11, which says what, Stephen? I don't know. My mind gather your wealth little by little. Oh, okay. I thought, boy, does, did we memorize this first? We should. Um, this is the trap of Look at the last two years, whether it's cryptocurrency or what GameStop, that whole shebang where people were making tons of money, shorting stocks or pumping stocks. Um, You know, if you're looking for the next big thing that's going to blow up so that you can skip over the simple path of investing money and growing it over time. Yes. Then you're trying to skip the small beginning. You're, You're effectively kind of. You're, you're the guy sitting there hoping you're just going to get a phone call and it's going to be, hey, Microsoft wants you to be their CEO. Here's a $2 million package. Yeah. Con- congratulations. Like, I don't know how this happened to you since you were working at Best <laughs> Buy, but. Um, and that's not the way that the scripture teaches that we handle money. There's a progressive nature to yes. responsibility, wealth, stewardship. And so that, to me, if you get that right, then you develop patience when it comes to money. Um, you develop patience when it comes to the jobs you're willing to do. You don't you don't turn up your nose when you're 18 at a job mowing lawns. Right. And you you also don't settle into a role and go. Well, I guess I'm just in this for the next 45 years until my right. pension kicks in. Right. Right. You think. I am willing to start low and I am expecting to increase in responsibility and resources, all that jazz. Yes. Um, the, the Dominion episode that we did produced uh, many conversations and many text messages for me. And I was talking with my friend Jacob, who is in Waco. I don't know if he listens. Hello, Jacob, if you do. Um, and he said... Okay, if it's not dominionism, what are you, what are you standing for, Stephen? What what are you who who are you pitching for? And I, I said, well, I think the thing I I see in dominionism is a desire to kind of skip steps, to go straight from I'm I want to be somebody, I want to make a difference and run something to let me run something, which isn't the progression that we see in scripture. We see this step by step growth. You. And, and I describe it this way. When you, when you first come to the Lord, he starts rearranging your inner world is the first thing. And then he starts rearranging your external world. So that might be your food and your sleep and 
what you intake with your eyeballs. And he, and so you, your inner world, your thoughts, your emotions, now they're affecting the way you live your life, your outer world. And then the progression clearly is friendships. You start to learn how to do those. Then you have a, a marriage and then you have children and now you have a family and you run business life as you grow up. And once you have mastered those things, then the next progression is you're into some kind of broader leadership, which you could call eldership or family, you know, a city father or something. And I said, I think what I'm what, what I'm pitching for would be called something like incrementalism. I, I don't believe in dominionism. I believe you in know, incrementalism. I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit trail, but that conversation, I love listening to you and I love listening to Mark Douglas. That conversation drove me bonkers. Okay, well, uh, we can cut all this out. No, here's the reason. Because I know you guys both well enough to know that you both move in the same way uh, and take the same types of actions based on the way you were each describing your take on kind of this topic of dominionism. Um, and I think what Mark was describing as the first, the first terrain you have to gain mastery over is your heart. You have to rule well over your own heart really gets to a very similar idea to the one you're saying, which is there's no, there's no, I'm, I'm raising my hand and asking to be put on the, the Senate when yes. you haven't already mastered, Hey, I know how to like control my thoughts uh, and, and the sinfulness yes. inside my own heart. So that was the only thing is that I, I was listening to that episode with a couple other people in the car and, and they were like, wow, these two people really see the world differently. And I slammed my hand on the steering wheel and said, no, they don't. They actually see the world very similarly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think they're getting stuck with some semantic battles here, but anyways, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think incrementalism is biblical and, you know, the principle of compound interest when we think about money yes. turns it turns small things into big things always i'm going and giving a talk to a bunch of parents next week or in a couple of weeks about education financing and every time i talk to parents about 529 plans and stuff like that um i think you know if if you want to save for college in 18 years that's you can do it. That's kind of hard. That's a lot of money you have to put away. But if you just put a little bit of money away now, you could really easily fund private school and college for all of your grandchildren and maybe even establish a fund that would cover everything for your great grandchildren and, and all generations on down the line. Yeah. Like you don't have to be a, a multimillionaire to do something like that. You just have to understand this principle that yes. given a, enough time, money grows. Uh, and that's, that's something that really, really separates the wealthy from the not wealthy is the, the willingness to say, if I forego now and just plant seeds and forget that they exist, they will grow. Um, yes. You know, we, we think about that even in, we, when we talk about our investment strategy. So we manage money for people. We invest it in stocks and bonds. And 
if somebody's like, all right, Mark, I'm excited for this meeting. I've been hoping you would manage my money and tell me what you, tell me how you guys are just out there beating the market. I tell them I have bad news. We're probably not the right fit for you as yeah. a firm because we know that there's advisors out there touting their home runs. Like I mm-hmm. t- took a Barry Bond swing and I knocked a ball a thousand yards out of the park. But over time, those people do not do as well as the patient. Just let me be thoughtful about the different types of assets I put my money in, spread it out in the right places, and then effectively don't touch it. Don't mess with right, it. Right, right. Um, that's a little oversimplified. We do things to help kind of manage the tax situation, sure, sure, manage sure. all that. But But we're not at all interested in watching CNBC uh, and, and, you know, hot stock there's there, this one's undervalued. Now it's going to go, it's got room to run in 2022. I just say you guys are at least wrong as much, but more likely far more often than you're right on these tips. So compound interest, relies on kind of the principle here is it relies on the fact that, Hey, if we invest wisely and thoughtfully and don't try to hit home runs, you wrote an article called wealth is inevitable. And that's, that's the the Mm. truth. Um, This principle leads to wealth in usually a generation or less. You know what I was thinking of on this topic of compounding and someone who's willing to put a little bit forward. Um, I thought of a couple things. One, I thought of the value of a little in the eyes of God. And I thought of the widow who put her two mites into the, the, the synagogue offering. And Jesus said she gave more than anybody else because the Lord valued that small. He, he valued the small thing because he saw her heart in it of faithfulness and so we, we are so foolish when we look at, for instance, just a big raw number and go, that's success, as opposed to some young couple who's pulling down 40K a year and they're being faithful with a little. Man, heaven applauds somebody who can, who can show faithfulness, who could be generous even with a little. I, I remember in college, I didn't have two nickels to rub together in college. I had... I had whatever money I made from refereeing uh, a game that, uh, that they played at intramurals at, at Texas A&M called Flicker Ball. And whatever money I made refereeing and waiting tables at Bennigan's is what I had to pay all my bills and to live on. And um, I remember um, my heart going out to a friend who was in poverty. I wasn't in poverty. I was from a middle-class family. A friend who was in poverty and 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 in college and thought, I, I want to give this guy $50. And to me, that was an unthinkable amount of money. I felt that the Lord said at that moment, one, you're setting a precedent for your life, a lifetime of generosity and giving. So this is a big deal. And secondly, I, I kind of felt from the Lord this kind of this is a significant gift, Stephen, based on what your, what your assets are, and it matters a lot to heaven. And I, I remember giving that, giving that money away then, and, and the, the decisions that you make when you have little are not insignificant. That would probably be the, the, themes, the theme of, the, of this episode, 
is is the the decisions you make and what you do with the assets and I mean all all of your assets including your ideas and your relationships and your spiritual life when you have little are not insignificant and we can tend to undervalue those things but what I was thinking of when talking about compounding interest in money I was thinking about the classic song the fidelity fiduciary bank from Mary Poppins you remember it's Dick Van Dyke. He's dressed oh, yeah. up as an old man. There's Mr. Banks, and he's talking to little kids. And he sings this song. If you invest your tuppence, which is two cents, wisely in the bank, safe and sound, soon that tuppence safely invested in the bank will compound. And you'll achieve that sense of conquest as your affluence expands in the hands of the directors who invest as propriety demands. You see, that's just the tuppence. You see, you'll be part of railways through Africa, dams across the Nile, fleets of ocean greyhounds, majestic uh, self-amortizing canals, plantations of ripening tea, all from tuppence, prudently, fruitfully, frugally invested. They, they, they played the song for laughs, but there's, there's truth actually in that song. <laughs> totally. That... That film gets more play than I wish it did in my house. Mary oh, you, you've had enough. You've had enough uh, of it. But wisdom nonetheless. Yes. Um, so two more things, and then we'll we'll let these people get back to their to their run. Um, I think that the when we talk about small things, the budget always comes to my mind. I'm a budget nerd, and if you. Um, if you don't pay attention to the small things, so this is probably 85% of the people I talk to about their budget. They have some idea. Maybe they keep a budget, but well, you know, we don't track everything. Um, and I am always making the case for tracking every single dollar that comes under your care. Uh, because if you're intentional about, I don't know how many pumpkin lattes you buy, um, you will notice that $6 a week matters. Uh, yeah. And it's the same principle we were just talking about, but uh, that amount can vary wildly. I, I talk to people who make seven-figure incomes, and to them, well, who cares if we spend 3000 or $2,000 a month on food this month? Who cares? Yeah, right, right, right. And the answer is <laughs> you could do a lot either now or in three generations with just your slush grocery money that you forgot about, or even yes. the money you blow at the Starbucks every day. So, yeah. um, and if you're a family that's li- at the other end of the spectrum, that's living on 40 grand a year, usually number one, I found that you're very good at budgeting cause you have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we encourage it all the time. If you can save a little bit of money, even if it's, mostly an exercise in kind of here is what we're doing. We're learning and to train this muscle of saving it's $10 a week or whatever it is. Um, that, that has long-term benefits. You develop it and you go, okay, we have a little extra. Let's, let's turn this saving up a little. Let's continue to build that muscle. So it's a small thing. The, the money that you maybe don't need that hasn't been planned by you for some big either, spending category or per saving category um, to just say, 
I'm going to get my whole budget in order and I'm going to look in every corner of, of the money that comes my way to make sure I'm putting it all somewhere that I would feel good. You know, when the master says, what did you do with the money I entrusted you with? Yes. Here's what I did with it. You know, the King is coming back uh, to use sort of some, some dominionist terms and he will mm-hmm. be asking for receipts. Yes. And that's right. we, we want to be able to say, here's what I did with your resources. So that that's where I think budgeting is, is kind of relevant to small things. Now to wrap it up next week, we're going to be having a conversation that I won't be involved in. Um, but I'm really excited about it. I think that one of the best ways that people can start to, uh, train this muscle of small beginnings is to think about a business. Could I start a business mm. that doesn't, it does not have to grow. Like we said, it could just be a small thing that stays a could small be an thing. Etsy shop. Yep. Or it could be the next globally dominant financial advising firm. Like, yeah. like what we're in the process of building. Here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I, I do think that starting a business is a little bit unique in that unless you inherited money from, from grandma and are going to go out and buy a big business, most businesses start with just you and I think every entrepreneur, whether it's an Etsy shop or a huge business, remembers that f- sort of strange feeling when somebody gave you money for the thing that you do for your business. And it was yeah. like, wow, yeah. we may, you know, I have some clients who own restaurants and they have their first dollar framed, um, which is just fun. Yeah. And that's a, that's a physical monument to, we started small, we got a dollar and we were excited that somebody was willing to trade, trade money for our services. So I think, you know, we could do 20 podcasts on why we're increasingly convinced that most families should be at least thinking hard about what kind of businesses are we going to start and own as yeah. a piece, as a piece of our puzzle. It doesn't have to be the only piece. It doesn't have to be the only income, but what, what are we going to do there? And I would posit that it's uniquely good at teaching you a lot of these principles that it's okay to roll up your sleeves and labor at something that feels really small and it grows maybe slower than you wish it did. Um, unless you happen to be one of the tech bros who goes and raises $10 million. But most businesses, they just, they start small and diligence over time, just like with investing money tends to produce, uh, flourishing and good things. Um, if you, you know, are wise and, and careful with, how you treat customers and all that jazz. So I, I don't know if you want me to give anything away from your, your next conversation. So I won't, but I, I think we're going to hear more about, about what that looks like in practice next week. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we are going to hear an example next week of uh, a guy who's, who's in my family who, who did this very thing. And he, he, well, he started uh, at three dollars an hour doing doing his uh, his stuff, and uh, it grew. Are you gonna to, Are you gonna tell what he does, or is that do we have to wait? Nah, we can wait. All right, and uh, and and grew his business, and you'll just see you'll hear how the Lord um, 
dealt with him in the process and grew everything, and it's just a great story. Okay, I'm just going to finish with a little, with a, just a little list of, of encouragements for everybody. I was trying to brainstorm what might be some things in people's lives that they that they don't, they shouldn't dismiss, and know that the re- Lord rejoices in it. Okay, so. And I'm, you're, you're going to hear me walking through five capitals here. So don't dismiss a new insight from God's word or one little new step of obedience or a half-baked Shabbat celebration. Don't dismiss those. The Lord rejoices in those. Don't dismiss them. Don't dismiss a thought to call an old friend and check in. It matters. It might not be something that you do every day, but when it crosses your mind to build into a relationship, don't dismiss it. Don't dismiss when you watch what you eat for a week and you lose a pound. Don't think, well, it's not 50 pounds. Don't do that. Rejoice over, hey, that was a pound. We could do this again. We could build on this. Don't dismiss when you gain a pound because you've been crushing the squats. (laughs) Great point, Mark. It's the balance that we bring to one another that's so valuable. Don't dismiss making your bed one day. Um, I know that sometimes I can think, um, God, if I don't do this every day, if I don't do these small things, whatever they are, um, if I don't do this every day, you know, what's the point? Well, there is a point. Do, doing it one day matters. And you, you can't build any momentum for anything if you, don't, if you don't do it once. So let's say you're consistent one time in disciplining your child. And you didn't let him get away with something. And you thought, oh, that was hard. But really, what's the point? I just know that next time I'm going to fail. No, don't do that. Rejoice in that one time and go, that was good parenting. I, I didn't let them get away with that. That was solid. Rejoice in it. The Lord, re- Lord rejoices in it. Don't dismiss a good idea you run across in a book or even a tweet or a pod. And, and take it seriously and go, hey, that, that's, that's an idea. That was a gift. Don't, don't dismiss... I'm just thinking of dads doing just dad jobs. Don't dismiss raking the leaves one time. Oh, that's just what I got to do. I'm sure the, ra- the leaves will come down again. Or oh, what's the point? Or, or I, I sometimes think it's when I've finished the lawn. You mow the lawn. It's all edge. It's edged. Everything looks great. It's all swept away. And, and there can be a voice in you that just goes, "It's just going to grow back." What difference does it make? Hold on a second. Don't dismiss that. Rejoice, and that's a small thing, but it matters. It's the, these are the kind of upkeep of your of your home and family that really matter that the Lord rejoices in. Um, re- uh, don't dismiss the fact that you felt like, hey, my wife's telling a story and her heart is hurting right now, and I'm just putting a gentle hand on her arm, just of understanding. That's not nothing. That matters. These small things matter. Um, you 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 do one night of prayer with your family. And you go, yeah, but we're not consistent. We don't do it all the time. Hey, don't dismiss that. You, you gave it a shot. You, one verse, one Bible verse, you, you're helping the kids to memorize. One time you gather the family around for prayer. Don't dismiss that. You'll never build a mountain of faithfulness without these little starts. Um, don't dismiss saving $10 per paycheck. If that's all that you can do, do it. Don't, don't dismiss making it under budget one month. Or starting up that Roth IRA with the smallest amount that you can put in there. Don't, don't, don't insult yourself. Don't dismiss it and go, that's not really worth anything. Yes, it is. It's worth a lot. And you, you, you might think, I can't afford the big financial planner, so what's the use? Don't do that. Champion these small moments of obedience. 
I remember early on in our marriage, we when we first came across this verse, this was not something I was taught growing up. We first came across the verse, Proverbs 20, 13, 22. What's that say, Mark? Um, 1322. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't expect you to know it. I just wanted to stump you back. Is this uh, children's children? Yes. A, a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children? There it is. The first time we heard that as, as, uh, as young parents, we, we were still getting out of debt. Um, we, we were trying to faithfully plug away in our, in our uh, first home. And we went, I remember we went to the bank because we wanted to respond in faith to what we had heard. And we opened a new savings account and it was called children's children. You know, you got a little name for your, for the account. We call it children's children. We put 10 bucks in there. I know it mattered. It was an act of faith that uh, Lord, we are going to be the kind of people. We just saw the verse. We had seen it for the first time. He lays an inheritance aside for his children. So I don't, I don't know what that means to our finances in total, but it, it's going to mean something. So we opened up that account that day, and these things matter. So I, don't, I, I, I think of anybody who feels downcast. You feel like you're on a treadmill. You feel like th- there's just a hamster wheel of earning, and then we spend what we earn, and there's never enough. And how can we ever make uh, choices or change our life in such a way that we're going to get ahead. I just want to tell you, small things matter and small beginnings are recognized by God. And if you can be faithful to, to find a budget that works and stay underneath that and say no to yourself and lay money aside and take what little you can to be generous and start developing these patterns, they will bear fruit in your life. And, and I just want you to be encouraged that, that just because you don't have a million dollars in savings, that doesn't mean that you're not on the road to wealth for your family and, and prosperity. I, I don't want to make it sound like wealth is the, is the end, end goal, um, but it is the end, it, it is the end financially uh, unless there's sin that, that comes and eats it away. And I'm, I'm borrowing again on the wealth is inevitable thing. I, I just, I, my heart goes out to people who, are, are struggling and and don't see the value in their day-to-day faithfulness. So anyways, thank you, Mark, for all that stuff. I hope it I hope it hits people and encourages them to keep going. It encourages me that when I am sitting kind of in my kitchen and looking out and I see that my wife has just finished mowing my lawn. I, I feel like Gosh. I feel like it's not worthless that I've sent her out to do this work. And if the Lord hadn't cursed me with this grass allergy, oh then <laughs> oh my word. folks, but, uh, Mark is masculine in, in many ways. Okay. I, I know that you, you, you can't see him. You can't be around him. He is he is fully masculine, okay? So just just want you to trust me on that. Yeah, thank you for that, Steven. And I yeah. guess in, until next week, we'll just uh, we'll just let let that be the end of this this podcast. Okay, good enough. Thanks everybody. Bye. If you invest your toughens wisely in the bank safe and sound 
Soon that tuppence, safely invested in the bank, will come pound. And you'll achieve that sense of conquest as your affluence expands in the hands of the directors who invest <laughs> as propriety <laughs> demands. <laughs> May I, sir? Carry on, Banks. You'll be part of railways through Africa. Exactly. Dams across the Nile. The ships, tell them about the ships. Fleets of ocean greyhounds. More, tell them more. Majestic self-amortizing canals. Oh, it fires the imagination. Plantations of ripening Tuppence prudently, thriftily, frugally invested in the To be specific in the doors, toes, mouse leg rubs, fidelity, fiduciary bank. My boy, give me the money. No, I won't. I wanted to feed the birds. Thanks. Yes, sir. Now, Michael, when you deposit tuppence in a bank account, Go on. soon you'll see Tell them more. that it blooms into credit of a generous amount semi-annually. And you'll achieve that sense of stature as your influence expands to the high financial strata that established credit now commands. You can purchase first and second trust deeds. Think of the foreclosures. Funds, chattels, dividends, shares, bankruptcy, kerosene, opportunities, all manner of private enterprise, shipyards, the mercantile, collieries, canneries, corporations, tuppence, patiently, cautiously, trustingly invested in the to be specific in the dawn.